Down. It's Phoenix Down, episode number 61.2, and we are continuing and finishing our read of Ready Player One. Uh, today I have with me Matt. Hello. And yeah, we um, finished the book. Also, we read the uh, extra chapter um, that has been made canon. Uh, I'm having a real tough time with the name of it because... Of the band that I've been listening to, Lucero. Okay. And this is Lucero. <laughs> Lucero. Uh, so, yeah, the last thing that we left off, uh, everybody who matters <laughs> has uh, the final key. Um, now, we don't know exactly what we have to do to... Um, to, to open the final gate, but Wade does have a, a little bit of a uh, an ace up his sleeve. He knows a clue um, that I, I, he so far he only knows uh, that um, in order for you to open the final gate, it takes more than one person to do it. Yeah, and clearly the Sixers don't know this because they've had the Crystal Keys, many of them, for quite a long time Is at it this like, point. It's been a couple of days or something? Uh, at least days. Yeah. You got somebody there? <laughs> uh, neighbors. Oh, your neighbors. I'm not used to having neighbors that I can hear. Ah. But, uh, yeah. So, uh... The 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 third act actually opens up with uh kind of it it doesn't it feels a little bit more actiony because it starts off with him setting his plan in motion. We don't know what his plan is, but we see it basically happening. Uh, he gets arrested by IOI. Uh, he set it up to where, um his persona this this other person that he created his his other identity um Bryce Lynch yeah Bryce Lynch has Bryce Lynch <laughs> he has um owed IOI money 
and he uh, can't pay it back. It's overdue. So what IOI does is they send agents to the person, basically kidnap them, and put them into forced labor. Yeah, like an indentured servant, because I yeah. think they even call it like... Indents, I believe is what they call them. Indents, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that first, that's kind of strange that that's illegal. Um, but, you know, this is a a rough world that uh, they live in. And, I mean, they can just come into a place and completely barge in like like police. Yeah, and then charge you for it. <laughs> yeah, and then charge you for it. Uh, I guess the, is IOI kind of like the police force, but it, it always seems like that they're a corporation, a business, which, of course, you know, that's kind of a, a sci-fi trope is that the government doesn't run anything corporations do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so IOI comes in and basically arrests Wade, um, which is all part of his plan. Uh, and they, which you don't really find out right at first. No, right? no, no. He doesn't reveal anything like to the audience. Yeah. He just, he just says, yeah, that was the day I got arrested. And he just goes on about talking about how he's got everything planned. He's like, you know, he, he set the computer to self-destruct. He backed up all the save files, everything like that. And they spend the next probably two or three chapters talking about him being arrested by IOI, what he's doing there at IOI, and then how he escapes. Which is funny because I think they put him into the same type of job that he had before, right? Yeah. Like well, tech support? Well, he, he, he had to take like an aptitude test. And um, he deliberately made it to where he was doing uh, IT work. Um, because he, uh, he he deliberately said that he 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 did he aced the test in certain places so that he knew where he was being placed. Yeah, and downplayed his uh, holiday knowledge. Yeah. So um, he gets arrested. They put him in uh, this. It's basically like a habitat, um, almost like a prison cell. I think it's like no bigger than like a bed, which is where he sleeps. Yeah. So it's like somewhere between a studio apartment and a prison cell. Yeah. And, um, he, 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 I mean, there's a lot of descriptions as far as like how they're treated and they're not allowed to watch anything except IOI propaganda. Um, if you do good behavior, you can, um, you know, you'll, you'll get access to more channels, but it's all still, it's all still regulated through IOI's intranet. They're it reminds me a little bit of that very early episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. The one of the game shows where he's like in his bedroom and he's forced to watch the commercials. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Actually, it's a lot like that. If anybody's ever seen that, I can't remember what the name of that episode is. This is just the second episode. Yeah, second episode. Um, so yeah, he's forced uh, eight hours a day to sit at a terminal and help people with their uh, technical problems, which he fucking hates. 
Um, and again, he shows that I think he's a bit of a whack job, and he like he he can't help these people without being like a dick to them. Right. But this is all part of his plan, which he slowly reveals throughout these chapters. Um, so it's revealed that he planned to get captured by IOI. Uh, they don't know that he's actually Wade. Um, so they just throw him in and, you know, they turn him into an indent. And, um, but he's there for a reason because he wants to get into the intranet, the internal internet's uh, of it's weird because I know what intranet is, but it's hard to explain. It's basically a individual internet. All the computers are connected to it. And then from there they connect to the internet, the outside world. Um, and it's all locked under firewalls and stuff like that. So you can't just get into it unless you're like a world renowned hacker, which I guess Wade kind of is, he did use, yeah, he did use something to get in. So he explains that on that black market, uh, in the Oasis, he was able to purchase, uh, some used backdoor codes, um, from a ex IOI employee. Uh, he helped create the firewalls and the intranet at IOI and he sold the codes on the black market that allowed him to get into access into the, the IOI intranet. And he does this through the television screen that is connected to his habitat. So at night, instead of sleeping, he, uh, decides to hack into their intranet and steal documents, figure out how they're, um, keeping the uh the castle from uh anybody getting in so basically where they're keeping this wizard who is using the artifact that's creating this big force field bubble so how how he can disable that so it seems like he's basically using kind of the classic bank robber technique right where uh because if i remember correctly every you know every night the lights go out and they're, since they're watching him with a camera it switches over to so the night vision and he sets it up so that when it switches over to night vision, it actually switches to a loop of him sleeping so that he's able to do all of his hacking without anybody being able to see him do it. Correct. Okay. And yeah. um, I think they I also – Yeah, they also implanted a thing in his ear that uh, it also has a camera on it. Uh, yeah, so they can see what he sees. Yeah. Uh, and he is hacked into that as well. Um, and it's revealed throughout this this whole thing that he set this up. Uh, he actually set it up to where he, he will pay his debt off um, within, I think, eight days, I think is what he said. I can't remember how long. He, he was in there for eight days. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, he just wiped it out at the end, right? Yeah. As he was he was doing all his cleanup because essentially at some point I don't know what was the trigger that made him decide that he had to do it now uh, because uh, he found um, that uh, they were monitoring uh, Artemis and Shoto and he's like I gotta get these I gotta warn these people before they they get them because it, it, there was he found documents saying that I O I was planning on uh, either kidnapping. Artemis yep. and Shoto or 
taking them out. And you finally get the evidence that they did, in fact, kill Daito. Yeah. So he got he got evidence showing that they killed Daito, that they threatened to kill him, blew up his stack, which had you know uh, uh, dozens of people in it, um, and also the conversation between him and um, um, fuck, what's his name? What? Sorrento. Sorrento, yeah, Sorrento. God, I, for some reason I was thinking something else. Um, so he has all the evidence he needs to basically put IOI away. Um, but first he needs to escape. Um, he has it put into play where his debt is paid. And when his debt is paid, uh, it basically takes him out of their system, but he still physically has to get out of the building. Um, that's when he was able to get a disguise for a janitor, I think. Yeah, or service repairman or yeah, something. Repairman. Uh, he rips out the the thing on the side of his head. And he's bleeding all over the place. <laughs> uh, and you know they they talk about how he's you know trying to sneak out. Nobody stops him except for this one woman in the lobby. She's like, "Sir, your ears bleeding." And he's like, "Well, thanks," and just walks out. <laughs> Bye. I'm out of here. Yep. And so. Uh, he has all the information. He knows exactly where they're keeping the wizard, who's holding on to the uh, to the relic or the artifact. And he um, also set up the program to eventually bring down the shield already, right? So he doesn't need to do anything else. He's done everything he needs. Yeah. He's also downloaded everything to a memory stick that he has with him. Yes. So he downloaded everything. He he set up the 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 basically the sabotage, uh, which is basically using their own tools against them. Um, so, uh, he escapes, goes to, I think, where, where was it? It wasn't the internet cafe. It was something else. He was at uh, the post office, right? Well, I thought it was, it wasn't a cafe, but it was just like a, a login center. I thought. Yeah. He logs in and holds a meeting with everybody because, uh, he, he's like, I, nobody knows where I am right now, but I need to warn Everybody that, hey, IOI is watching you guys need to get the hell out of there. So he has a meeting with H, um, Shoto, and Artemis. And they were like, look, there's, they're watching you. You need to get out. I've escaped. I have a plan set in motion. We, you know, we're going to try to recruit as many Gunters as we can to fight off IOI whenever the plan begins. Uh, and everybody's pretty much on board, even though they think he's insane. Uh, there's a few other things that's revealed here is that, um, when he was looking through everybody's personal files, he was able to see kind of what everybody looks like, which is plays a part later on. Um, I think Shoto was like, what, uh, early twenties Japanese man. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, Artemis is, you know, I think 19, or maybe 20 at this point. Uh, but he's seeing pictures of them when they were registered at school. Uh, and he notices that uh, Artemis, uh, she has a mark on her face. I can't remember what it was. It's like a birthmark. Yeah, they call it a Port Weinstein. There you go. Um, and uh, you can tell that she's embarrassed by it from the photo. 
But the big mystery is is that uh, H, they don't have anything on H. They know login places, and it seems like he's been everywhere. Uh, you know, Chicago, Philadelphia, pretty much all over New York. Been traveling while logging in. Uh, but they don't have a picture of them. And uh, they don't actually have a real name. Uh, the name they have, he says he recognizes as something that H has always used as a fake name. So H is pretty much covered. Um, so they're having this meeting. And as they're having this meeting and they're getting ready to adjourn, all of a sudden, somebody shows up. Ogden Morrow, or at least his avatar, shows up in, in H's uh, chat room. And they're like, what the hell? How the hell did you even get in here? Kind of find out Ogden is pretty much the most powerful avatar in the Oasis. Yeah, it seems like there. it was him and Halliday. Yeah. And with Halliday gone, it's only him that has essentially unlimited powers. Yeah. Which, if, if you're going to build something like the Oasis, why not give yourself unlimited powers? Exactly. So, um, but he's been basically eavesdropping on them the entire time. Uh, it's revealed, and it was it was actually alluded to uh, in a previous chapter, uh, small glitches in the system, kind of like the Matrix, if you will, where certain things uh, didn't seem right, like there was a... Uh, a box of magazines or comic books that fell over and stuff like that. And they all kind of hinted at, Oh, somebody's watching them. And kind of found out it was Ogden the entire time. And he wants to help, uh, these, the high five, or what used to be high five. Uh, he wants to help the top gunters because obviously he knows IOI. They're trying to ruin the Oasis and I don't want that. So he decides to lend a hand. But he says he won't help them cheat. Yeah. He, says he will he, just give them a base of operations. Yeah, he says that he knows the IOI is, is chasing after you guys, so why don't I give you a safe haven so you can do this right? And since he has you know tons of money, he says you guys can all board a plane, uh, my private jet, and you can come to my place and Oregon? Is that where it was? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, you can log into my place and, you know, open the final gate. Um, now, does he know how everything works? Does he know, did he know everything about the, the, the Easter egg and stuff like that? Or did he say he didn't know? Uh, I think he said he did know, but he wasn't going to help them okay. figure it out. Yeah, I couldn't remember. So um, that's when uh, they fly everybody out. So um, obviously um, uh, Wade is in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and I think the last place that H was logged in was Philadelphia. Yeah. So H says, all right, I'll drive to you, Wade, and then we'll board a plane together and go to Oregon. And so, um, I think after a few hours of driving, H finally shows up and Wade, uh, gets into a RV that pulls up 
And when he gets into the passenger seat, he notices that H is not exactly what he thought he'd look like. Uh, H is, according to the book, a overweight African-American woman. Um, and it surprises Wade, but in the same sense, it doesn't. So it's hard to explain how this is conveyed because originally it's just, obviously Wade's telling it through his eyes. He says originally he was, he felt shocked and betrayed, but then when H smiled, he said he could totally see that smile that is always on his avatar. And it's like, oh, yeah, and is- it start, they start to pick back up that banter that they had. Yeah. It's just now it's with a black woman. And he, he pretty much gets used to it within like an hour or so. But yeah, that's that's the big thing. The big reveal is H is actually a woman. His best bud, his bro. Yeah. And he still refers to H as a he. <laughs> he, he says it. Um and it's and and H is you know pretty much all telling here. Uh, what was her name? Is it Helen? That was her name, Helen. Helen Harris. Helen Harris. Um, she was uh, told by her mother that um, when you log into the Oasis, uh, don't ever reveal who you are. In fact, create a different persona altogether because. You know, it's it's difficult, not only in the real world, but also in this virtual world, to be very successful as a woman of color. Um, so uh, she decides to take on the persona of H. And that was um, the reasoning behind it. Um, they get on a plane... They fly to Ogden Morrow's mansion. Yeah, I guess just the the last bit of H's story is that her mom kicked her out when she was 18 because she came out as gay. As a lesbian, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. She's been driving around in this RV basically since then, yeah. never really setting new routes. So, uh, but yeah, uh, they make it out to Oregon and, um, when they get there, uh, Artemis and, uh, Shoto have already arrived. They are logged in. They're getting ready for the, the big, uh, the big final play and, uh, Ogden gives them their own personal space for, uh, logging in and they have their own unique visors and hat suits and stuff like that. And it's time for the final showdown. Um, he sent out a message to every user of Oasis. Wade did saying that, Hey, we're going to stop IOI at noon. I think he said noon, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, um, he's, he automatically starts seeing it. He sees as he's traveling to the planet, there's tons of ships trying to get in, and uh, when he gets there, it's all stacked up, and everybody's looking at the the top gunters, basically like 
superheroes almost. Um, and of course they all show up with their uh, mechs in tow. So uh, they got um, God. There was a Gundam. I can't remember all of them. Uh, I know. Uh, Lepor- Le- How do you pronounce it again? Leopard Man. <laughs> Yeah, Leopardon. Leopardon. Um, that's the one Wade's in. But, uh, what they don't know is, is that, uh, through the barrier there, they see, um, Sorrento. He's got his own mech, which is Mecha Godzilla. Which is, I think, he said like four times bigger than any of the mechs that they have. Yeah. It's a gigantic fucking Godzilla. It's funny because in this this part of the book, the only thing I can picture is the battle on Naboo in Star Wars Episode One. Okay, because I think because of the force field and because you've got all these forces arrayed on the outside, and then these forces on the inside just kind of waiting. Like for some reason, like that scene is the only thing I can picture in this whole part. Well, to be honest with you, it, it's making me think a little bit of uh, of Pacific Rim. Oh yeah. Have you, you've seen Pacific Rim, right? Yep. Okay. Um because you know, got these these mechs taking on these kind of like giant monsters. Um and so I like the, I'm starting to get parallels. I'm I'm starting to think of like oh how they're going to do this in the uh in the movie. In the movie? Yeah. yeah, I got a little bit of, you know gears in this part too. Yeah. With the, the four team members and their mechs. Yeah. So um the plan set in motion. So he has rigged while he was in IOI headquarters. He has rigged that at a certain time, particularly noon. Uh, he has hacked into one of their uh, the robots, like the the drones that they use to like move stuff. He's hacked into that to have it meander its way down to where the wizard is. Is holding the relic, right? And basically, it goes to blow itself up to hopefully kill the wizard that's holding it. Then that releases the barrier. Then they have their big fight and it goes without a hitch. It runs in there and and kills a bunch of IOI guys, including the wizard and the force field goes down. Then begins the giant battle with pretty much every gunter on that planet currently fighting IOI. So especially two giant armies. Did they say it was about half of the player base of all of Oasis? I think so. Which is crazy. So you've got millions of people fighting against each other. Um, IOI kind of can't hold off. But the issue is, is that Sorrento, being the first one to get his mech after completing uh, Black Tiger... He just kind of decimates a lot of stuff. So they have a big fight, all three of them, or all four of them, excuse me, have a big fight with uh, Mecha Godzilla. Um, and Shoto doesn't make it. He gets killed by Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, he basically tries to distract Mecha Godzilla to let the other three in because he needs three people. To get into the third gate. Right. Uh, but he doesn't do a very good job at distracting 
Mechagodzilla. Yeah. So he he tries to distract them. Also, he wants revenge. So he wants to to damage Mechagodzilla, and he does. He cuts off one of the arms. I think is what it said. Um, but it's not enough. Uh, Mechagodzilla has this like fire laser that uh pretty much just melts anything, uh, and it kills um Shoto. Now, obviously, not in real life, but his character is dead in the game. Uh, and then finally, um. Wade decides enough's enough. We're going to have to stop this. So uh, Wade uh, decides he's going to make one final stand. Uh, unfortunately, his mech doesn't make it, but he's able to eject. And as he ejects, he remembers he has that capsule for Ultraman. And Ultraman, his specialty is fighting giant monsters. So he turns into Ultraman for three minutes. And pretty much beats the ever-living shit out of Sorrento. <laughs> yeah, just destroys him. Yeah, completely destroys him. Uh, he, but Sorrento is able to eject. Yeah, he cuts Mechagodzilla in half, right? Yeah. And uh, he's able to eject uh, before dying, his character dying. Uh, and then Wade transforms back into his avatar after Ultraman and then runs into the castle. Now... I think they figured this out beforehand because he was looking at the surveillance videos while he was still in IOI captivity. They figured out how to open the gate, I believe, uh, while they were having their meeting. Uh, so um, there was one final riddle that um, how they had left for everybody. Um, and I'm trying to find it here. Hang on. I'm looking through my book here. It's easier whenever you type in shit. Now it's it's not that easy. Uh, There's the inscription on the gate that said Charity, Hope, and Faith. That's what I'm looking for. Charity, Hope, and Faith. Um, Which, if you look at that in reverse, it's uh, Faith, Hope, and Charity. Which they recognize right away as lyrics to Schoolhouse Rock. So they realize that they have to put their keys together, and nobody ever figured that out. Uh, they have to put their keys uh, in order to open the gate, uh, and you had to have three people to do it. Sorrento never tried that. And as they're doing this, they open the gate, and then the chapter actually ends with, that's when we all died. Yep. Um, he doesn't know what exactly happened, um, but every character in the area died, and the only thing that was left was a giant crater. Did they say every character in the sector died, or the planet? Um, or was it just the area? I think it was just in that area. I could be wrong. But... Needless to say, pretty much everybody around there died. But what well, well, what happened was, I should mention, is that the there was another relic that IOI owned, which was a instant explosion that kills pretty much everybody. The Cataclyst. Yeah. Yeah, it destroyed everything in Sector 10. Yeah. So everything in that sector died. 
that every every avatar there. Well, how does Wade know about all this? Well, because he comes back to life. Come to find out, he had a relic of his own that he didn't even realize was a relic. Remember that quarter that he got for doing a perfect game of Pac-Man? That was actually a relic that granted the user one extra life. So when he died, he immediately respawned right there. Lost all his equipment, granted, but he was able to stay alive. That actually gave him an edge because since everybody's dead around there, he was the only one there, he could easily go through the gate. Now he has to find a way to get to the gate because he's now currently in a crater and the gate's floating about 30 feet in front of him. And he can't reach it because he didn't have any of his rocket boots or anything like that. So he then goes around looting the corpses of all his fallen teammates. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets uh, Artemis's Chuck Taylors, which are special uh, shoes that allow him to, uh, I guess, rocket or, or, or float, fly or something like that. Yeah, I think she said run real fast and fly. Okay. So um, he puts those on and he's able to um, go into the gate. Uh, and when he enters the gate, he is in kind of like this dark, endless void. And and he makes his own, he makes his promise that right. again, it's another thing that befuddles me a little bit logically because I don't know why the four of them or five of them didn't just do this at the start of the game of the book. Makes the promise to split the winnings with everybody. Yeah. What. I feel like if they had just done that at the beginning of the book, that they would have had far less problems. Oh yeah. So, um, but yeah, he, he sits there and he records himself saying that I promise to give, you know, split the winnings with the, the top four Artemis, Shoto and H and myself kind of thing. Um, and he, what he finds himself, doing is it a, what the fuck was it was it another movie uh it was the 1981 atari game tempest right yeah yeah yeah. damn i totally forgot about that yeah he's he's having to play tempest because there's a shakespeare quote from tempest and as the last line of the anorax almanac mm-hmm. which apparently artemis is the only one that figured out nobody else got the reference so, uh, and that's one game that, um, that, uh, Wade is not very good with. It's a, a vector graphics game where you're basically looking down a tunnel and you're having to shoot, uh, things coming up, going around the, the outer rim of the tunnel. I've played that game before, actually. Yeah, I have, but not a long time. Yeah, it's a long Sorry, time. Sorry, I guess I feel like, uh, Parsifal here. Yeah. Uh, and, but luckily, uh, Artemis realizes that there's actually a trick to, uh, this particular game, uh, and not just this game, it's this build of the game. So, uh, before there were patches where they could fix shit using the internet, uh, this arcade game was the first version of Tempest and it had a glitch in it where if you died after occurring a certain amount of, uh, of score, you then gain 40 
lives, 40 extra lives. Yep. And could keep playing. Um, and uh, since Wade's not very good at this game, he's like, okay, well, I definitely have to do that because he has to beat Halliday's score, which is his high score is way up there. So um, he's able to get the 40 extra lives, and he uses a good amount of them, but he finally beats the high score. After Although, he, meanwhile, what, no? there's the contingent of Sixers. Yes. So there so was 20 of them that were sitting just outside the sector. Yeah. And they basically watch him get in, or the three of them get in, realize how to do it, and they're basically hot on his heels. Yeah. So they're... They, the Sixers, there were Sixers, and obviously one of them is being controlled by Sorrento. Um, they also enter in and they get their own instance, basically. So you don't see each other, but you're all doing the same thing. Um, but luckily, um, Parzival is, uh, ahead of them. After he beats, uh, Holiday's high score, um, he's then, what, transported to the office of Holiday? Uh, no, then he does Monty Python. Right. Damn, I'm forgetting a lot of this shit. I forgot. And then he yeah. goes. Yeah, he, he goes, goes to the. Yeah, he does Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He has to play another movie. Um, which I, I forgot about that because I actually chuckled at it. Because he said yeah. that he, he felt like he was riding a horse, but there was no horse under him. And he said <laughs> he turned around and there was a guy behind him hitting coconut shells together. Uh, that's like, funny. I was like, oh yeah, that's Monty Python. And he had to play through the entirety of Monty Python. Uh, and the Holy Grail. Uh, then after that, he gets transported to the, um, to Holiday's, uh, office. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Where he has pretty much every console known to man there. And, um, Fuck, I'm drawing a blank, man. You want to take over here? <laughs> yeah, basically he walked in and he couldn't turn any of them on. Yeah. Except for one of the really old computers. Mm-hmm. And then I think he pops in Adventure and goes through that whole Right, he has, spiel to, he has to play Adventure room. to find the first Easter egg. Yep. But and we- then that, that's basically it. At the end of Adventure, there's an actual Easter egg. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Turns out to be the Easter egg. The Easter egg. It's a silver egg that he then takes. And now that he has it, um, Anorak shows up. And I guess the only other key thing to, to note from this scene is that he had had a brief one-on-one with Ogden Morrow when he showed up in Oregon. And he basically asked Ogden what caused the, essentially the, divide to grow between Halliday and Ogden Morrow. And uh, Ogden repeats that, I think we already know this from earlier in the book, that uh, Halliday was in love with Ogden's wife, Kira. And it, it comes back up here because in order to get all of the game systems to turn on, he needs to enter a password. Right. And so he's trying many, many, many ones. At this point, Sorrento's caught up to him because at the end of Monty Python, I think they say Sorrento was only nine minutes behind him in the movie. Right. And so when he, when he gets into the office and he can't uh, figure out the password, he thinks he's just 100% screwed because Sorrento's got all the Sixers behind him, feeding him every possible password as quickly as he can type them. 
Um, but, you know, then he realizes, he puts it together that, all right, it's the thing that he loves most in the world, and but it wasn't Kira because Halliday had trouble talking to her in real life, so he used Kira's avatar's name, and that yeah. was... That was finally the password. Yeah, the D the D and D character's name. Yeah, yeah. That was the God. I I, I don't know. I, I, why did I forget all that? <laughs> I remember part of it, but then I don't know. Man, well, you did a good job, Matt. Congratulations. <laughs> you got the. I, 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 it was a little bit interesting because uh, just because Ogden had never like everybody had always asked him that question, right? And it, it kind of comes back to that. It's. It, are they helping him? Are they are they rooting for him? That was sort of always in my mind as I was reading this. You know, I kind of thought that that they were pushing him to win. Sort of the, the whole thing because yeah. they they you know they thought that he would be better than the Sixers winning it, right? Um, which doesn't look like they did, but you know he seems to have gotten lucky, I guess, with a few things. So uh, yeah. Um, Parsville has the Easter egg and when he has it, um, well, Halliday shows up, his avatar at least, and tells him that, congratulations, you found the Easter egg, you were the winner. Um, and now I grant you my power. Parsville then turns into Halliday's avatar and you are pretty much all, but you're God. Basically, you can destroy whatever you want. You can create whatever you want. You have infinite money. You have infinite life. You can't die unless you want to. And there's one other big thing that um, Holiday shows him. After he basically shuts off the cameras. Yes. I think everything up until there, everybody could see. Yeah. Everybody was watching a live feed of this going on. Uh, but then he shuts off the cameras and he shows Parzival or Wade something very important. There's a big red button that only he has access to. This big red button does the one thing that should probably be done. It completely shuts down all of Oasis. Especially after the speech that Anorak gives. Yeah. The Holiday gives. Basically says, you know, the real world's important, I think, too. I was waiting for what your response to this would be because he's so on the nose about it. It's true. But I feel like that's also... That, that's the author. You know? Yeah. Um, basically, well, like, mean, there, <laughs> can't there's a quote go outside, right here that kid. <laughs> You know? Yeah, there's a quote that says, as terrifying and painful as reality can be, it's also the only place where you can find true happiness. Yeah. And it's this it's it's this kind of like hitting you over the head with it. I mean, I I don't know. I guess maybe that's what Halliday had come to realize in his final days anyway. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I'm actually going to bring it up. There is one other thing that I have to mention that we skipped over also. Okay. That I I thought was another really strange choice in this book. Okay. Well, so, you want to go ahead and do it? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and talk so, about it. 
It's basically the idea that at all all of the good people in this book, you know, the High Five and Ogden and Halliday, they keep talking about the spirit, or at least a few times in this book have mentioned the spirit of the game and that the Sixers were breaking the spirit of the game and that they were cheating, and that was one of the reasons that they, they couldn't be allowed to win. And then in the end of the book, when... Shoto, Artemis, and H die. Their avatars die. Mm -hmm. They do exactly what the Sixers were doing, where they sit in his ear and feed him information so that he can make it through the third gate. So, they literally, this whole book, they've essentially been complaining about how evil the Sixers are, and then turn around, and when they have the opportunity, they cheat like motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do exactly what they were just complaining the Sixers were doing. And I, I couldn't believe they were doing that. And beyond that, even Artemis doesn't call them out on it, I don't think. Nobody calls them out and nobody comments, hey, you know, we're this isn't in the spirit of the game like Halliday would want, but we're justified because of whatever reason, nonsense reason they want to come up with so they can – feel better about themselves. Because they don't even the do that. Guys. Yeah, they're the bad guys. Yeah. They, they don't even do that. They just cheat, and that's it, and then they win. And I guess that's the moral of the story. If you cheat, you win. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know, but I, I just I thought that was so strange, and then one level stranger that, that nobody commented on the fact that they were cheating. All right. So let's, I'm going I'm to read this verbatim. Says uh, I call this the big red button. If you press it, it will shut off the entire Oasis and launch a worm that will delete everything stored on the GSS servers, including all of the Oasis source code. It will shut down the Oasis forever. So don't press it unless you're absolutely positive that's the right thing to do. I trust your judgment. Let's see here. Uh, listen. I need to tell you one last thing before you go, something I didn't figure out for myself until it was already too late. I created the Oasis because I never felt at home in the real world. I didn't know how to connect with people there. I was afraid for all my life, right up until I knew it was the ending. That's when I realized as terrifying and painful as reality can be, it's the only place where you can find true happiness, because reality is real. Do you understand? Yes, I think I do. Good. Don't make me. Don't make the same mistake I did. Don't hide in here forever. So there you go. There's your lesson. There, there's the there's the moral of the story. Is uh, get outside, kid. It's a big world out there. It's a big world out there. So. Uh, but yeah, after that, everybody's cheering and happy and yay. Uh, he, uh, everybody's then like the Sixers are all ejected from the game or not from the game, but from the, the gate they're there getting ready to attack the now ultra powerful Parzival. And he just kind of waves his hand and those Sixers are then eliminated so he's now Neo. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> and um, 
everybody's all happy and the news outlets are going nuts and oh he's got all this money now and uh, they're going to split it with everybody and uh he logs out and uh when he logs out he uh is congratulated by everybody uh at uh Mr. Morrow's homestead I'm using all these weird terms for stuff <laughs> um and he asks where's Artemis and he's like, well, she's out in this hedge mage. Uh, waiting for you. Waiting for you. So he goes out to uh, the maze. Uh, once again, another... I, I'm kind of brilliant. I figured out that maze within a minute. <laughs> um, and he finds Artemis there. Uh, she's sitting there. She doesn't have her hair over her her mark on her face. And, um, Wade is like, so we're all rich now and you're beautiful and I love you and I want to be with you forever and ever and ever. Yep. And, uh, they, uh, they embrace and kiss. I want to read the the very end there and bring it up. Oh, whoop, that's Armada. <laughs> the, the the last part is like the first chapter of Armada. Uh, sneak peek. Yeah, a little sneak peek. It says, uh, <clears throat> I'll just read the last page. Listen, we can take things as slow as you'd like. I'm a really nice guy once you get to know me, I swear. That's what, that, that, that's the infamous nice guy thing. I'm a nice guy. Why don't women want nice guys? All they go for is the douchebags. Well, I mean, I think he is a douchebag, so... Yeah, yeah, it kind of works out then. Uh, He's got both angles covered. (laughs) She laughed and wiped away a few of her tears, but she didn't say anything. Uh, Did I mention that I'm also extremely rich? I said, of course. So are you, so I don't suppose that's a big selling point. You don't need to sell me on anything, Wade. You're my best friend, my favorite person. She looked me in the eye. I've really missed you, you know that? My heart felt like it was on fire. I took a moment to work up my courage, and I reached out and took her hand. We sat there a while, holding hands, reveling in the strange new sensation of actually touching one another. Sometime later, she leaned over and kissed me. It felt just like all those songs and poems that promised it would. It felt wonderful, like being struck by lightning. It occurred to me then, for the first time in a long, as long as I could remember, that I had absolutely no desire to log back into Oasis. And that's the end of the book. Happy endings for all. And I'm okay with that. The, all right. I don't hate this book. I swear to God, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it comes off like that. I know like a bunch of listeners just came off saying, "Oh, you, you guys obviously don't like this book." No, I like the book a lot. You know, I love the references. I like the the the, the adventure. Um, I don't know. I just have some issues with the way he writes. I guess everything is like Matt said. It's like you said. It's, it's on the nose. You know, you log in too much. Go outside. It's a big world out there. Don't miss it. 
I mean, it, the thing is, is that I got that from just reading about the adventure. You didn't have to spend multiple chapters telling me how bad I've become since logging in all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Having sex with sex dolls. Yeah. And the thing is, is like nobody ever mentions like they're they're meeting each other for the first time, seeing what they really look like. I'm imagining fucking Wade is like this weird, like hairless toad. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, and I'm just like, has nobody We're mentioned... Kind of a buff toad at this point? Yeah, yeah. Like a really, like, just a buff fucking hairless toad. Like a battle toad. Like a battle toad, yeah. He's like rash or pimple or zit. <laughs> and uh, I, I would I would have loved to have, have heard, you know, in the book... Oh, and when Artemis saw me, she her eyes got kind of big. Like, what the fuck is this freak? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to sound you know negative or anything like that. But I was just like, I mean, obviously, I mean, this guy looks kind of fucking weird too. Now, granted, they, they could easily be like, oh, I, she looked like she was taken back. But after she heard me talk or saw my smile, it she then all the the all the shocks melted away or something like that. I mean, because yeah, you took your time to say how horrendous you fucking looked. And you didn't yeah. mention it. I don't feel like the writing comes off as very grounded. So it's like they they skip a lot of that reality. I mean, I guess a lot of the book takes place not in reality. But I feel like they, they gloss over a lot of the reality. They kind of sugarcoat things like this, you know, this real sweet ending here. You know, it, it was meant to be a sweet ending. So they're not going to let the truth get in the way of that. And I... I kind of feel like that's a little bit of emblematic of the whole book is that I don't know. It's, it's I don't, I don't think it's a terribly deep book. I, I guess I would go out on a limb and say, I don't really like it. What I would say is I enjoyed it. Kind of like a transformers movie. I have never, say, seen, yeah, I've I never seen the transformers movie. I watched one. There was explosions. Yeah. I mean, it, it it looked pretty, and then at the end, there was nothing underneath, and uh, didn't really enjoy it, but yeah, I could have spent, could have wasted my time on something worse. So, that's that, that's kind of like your, your overall thoughts? I mean, my overall thoughts are, at first, I didn't really like the characters or the world, and I thought that that was going to be compensated for by having a really interesting mystery or adventure and I just I don't think that those things played out that well either like there's still no justification for him having gotten that quarter just fucking random and it happened to be the last thing that he needed he happened to ask Ogden Morrow one question and it happened to be the one thing that he needed for the password it's just too convenient for me hmm so to me that that's a bit of lazy writing and oh well shit he needs he needs something so let's find out one way to just get him that thing that he needs instead of having it come organically from his discoveries or something gotcha okay. to me that to me that was almost more of a letdown because that's what i had at that point in the book banked my enjoyment on is the puzzles the mysteries and uh you know him figuring them out and yeah, I, I guess it all started and really ends with the fact that I just don't like Wade as a character. Hmm. 
Other than that, though, it was a fun book. Uh, it, you know, it, it was an enjoyable read. I really, it was sort of a, a unique experimental book, kind of. Like, you can have lots of books set in a virtual reality space, but it was interesting that there were so many references. Um, it, it ends up feeling a bit chaotic, I think, because of that, which you you can certainly get, you know, as we talk about the trailer at some point, you get that feeling there as well, but maybe it'll lend itself better to a movie. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that I see in the trailer that I'm like, that's not in the book. Like that whole race sequence. I'm just like, mm, that's not in the book. Yeah. And, you know, there's multiple things that I saw in there. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. I think... I don't see that movie being rated R while I feel like this book is rated R. You feel like the book should be rated R? Yeah. I mean, obviously they drop the fuck multiple times. Uh, they go into, I mean, he, he goes into detail about getting a sex doll. And he also spends like a couple paragraphs talking about masturbation. Um, yeah, but is that worse than American Pie? American Pie is radar. Is it? Yeah. Oh shit! Well, there you go then. There was nudity <laughs> in American Pie. Um, I don't know. I I I just feel like this is a little bit more mature than what the the movie is going to be. In fact, I don't even know. Like I. I I don't want to say this, but I'm willing to bet if this is like a PG-13 movie that I don't know if there's going to be deaths in this movie. Yeah, or if they do, it'll be abstracted a bit, like pixelated. Well, or they just fade out, something like that. Well, yeah, but I'm thinking like, will they change the whole, oh, Sorrento tried, it blew up the fucking stack? Bunch of people no, I'll keep it. I, I just don't think they'll show the gore. Yeah. Or will they even show like somebody being thrown out of a building? Yeah. See, again, I think I think they can show that in PG thirteen. I just don't think they can show them landing. Right. I don't know. We'll see how what, what kind of liberties Mr. Spielberg takes with this. Because uh, I, I just, I honestly, I think it's going to be a little different. Tonally. We'll see, though. Um, do you want to talk about the extra chapter first? Yeah, we can talk about that. I mean, that, it's quick. It's kind of, yeah, it's quick. And uh, I actually, I, I like the way that exists within the world. I do, too. Because it is short. It gives you a little bit of a spin on... You know, something, a character you didn't know all that much about. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll put it this way. That extra chapter makes Sorrento the most interesting character in this entire story. Yep. So, uh, it starts off with this avatar talking to some people. Um, uh, it, he's not, he claims that he's not a gunter. Um, 
but he seems very interested in the Easter egg hunting. Uh, this is obviously before IOI uh, really took off, because I think IOI. Well, what now? It's right around the time they're looking for the copper key, right? Because they're looking, they're on their way to the planet Gygax to look for the Tomb of Horrors. Right. So when the fuck did Sorrento even get brought in? Yeah, it must have been around that time, right? Oh, well, see, that's the thing is like, I th I'm pretty sure Sor it, it, it seems like to me in the main story that Sorrento is a, an established character as a guy who's been working for IOI for years. Mm, yeah, it could be because they were looking for the key for five or six years, right? Yeah, but if Sorrento, if they're looking for the copper key right now, then IOI hasn't hired Sorrento until now. Right, which could have been right after the competition started. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So this has to take place like right as the competition's beginning. Yeah, so apparently he figured out the Tomb of Horrors like some people did, but didn't know that it was on Ludus or whatever the school planet was. Right. So they're still looking at the Gygax planet. So, um, and it's basically... Uh, this guy, uh, what was his name again? Uh, Lacero. Lacero. Um, it's about him. It's only like a chapter, if that. Yeah, if that, just a couple of pages. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, basically this guy, uh, Lacero, who is interested in the uh, Easter egg hunting, but he, he claims he's not a, a gunter. This is before Parsifal even. This may this may even be before Wade was in high school. At this point, um, yeah, it was five years before. Because they're looking for the Easter egg. It's just now beginning. IOI is just now being established, and uh, he's looking for uh, the Easter egg for other reasons. And he the reasons being. That uh, he feels like Oasis is trash. It's horrible for people. It, it pretty much killed his sister. She became an yeah. addict of it, and then eventually became an addict of meth, and then she eventually died. And he can't stand Oasis, and he wants to basically win the Easter egg so he can shut down Oasis for good. He says the fate of the world is literally at stake here. Yeah. And um, he finds a clue on a certain planet. I can't remember that planet. Yeah, he, he uses Back to the Future. Yeah. So he, basically, he has a DeLorean, and he can't time travel within the Oasis, but he thinks that he might be able to on a certain planet because the rules seem to change. Right. You know, all over the place. So, you know, he basically keeps testing keeps testing this out and uh, finally does find a planet where he can time travel. Yeah. And uh, it was a cult from back in the seventies, I think. Uh, like, I, I think it was, I guess I'm guessing it's a real world cult. Uh, and they, um, God, I can't, now I can't fucking remember this shit. Yeah. So basically he, he gets to a place that they call, uh, Something cloud, 
Cuckoo Land is the planet that they go to. And then there's a big reproduction of a mountain. They call it Mount Shasta. And apparently that was where all, all kinds of energies were converging. And then there was that sort of cult that was like worshiping the power centers in the, I think in the eighties. Um, and then he tries to go back in time and finds out that he does. And it was winter when he did it. And then all of a sudden it's the summer. So yeah. he's like, Oh shit. So I did travel back in time. Um, and then it turns out that somebody says, something because the the mountain was a convergence point and because he traveled back in time basically he unlocked a special clue kind of i guess like wade did with the quarter but halliday like comes out of the clouds and gives them an uh you know a, a riddle type clue which references star trek yeah. and it has the genesis in it so he puts a few things together from the 1980s Star Trek movies, and there's like the Genesis device. And uh, basically, I think what the Genesis device did was reset everything. And that's where he comes to realize that that's some part of the prize of Oasis is the ability to reset. Right. Or destroy everything and start over. And that's what he wants to do. Yeah. So then he goes to IOI, signs up with them, and uh, they ask him uh, what his name is, and his name's Sorrento. Yep, you're the best we've ever seen. Yeah. So we find out that Sorrento wanted to get rid of the Oasis for probably the best reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Making him essentially the good guy in this, if you want to go by the way the author is talking. Yep. Go outside, kid. And you go outside by destroying Oasis. And yep, and now that's never going to happen, because Sorrento didn't get access to that red button. True. But there is a sequel coming. Ready Player Two is being written. Yep, and Sorrento did not die in this book. He... Well, in real life, he didn't. He was arrested. Yeah, he did get arrested. So, yeah, I am still. I'm, I'm really interested to see what the sequel would be like. I am too. I'm going to read it. I mean, I've, I've actually started Armada today. Um, because I'm really uh, yeah, I'm curious as to what Ernest Klein has. Because he set up a decent world that I cared about for a little while. And I want to see what his next endeavor is. Yeah, so. if he went slightly less ridiculous with the cramming every single possible reference in there, could he tell a more streamlined story? Well, there's some references in Armada, too. <laughs> yeah, but not the, the same number, right? Uh, I don't think so. Like I said, I only got a, like a chapter in. so. But I think uh, I'll let you know, so... We're not going to do that for Phoenix Down, obviously, but um, I'm just reading that on my free time. So uh, we got some emails. Let's go over them. Uh, I actually got one in while we were recording. 
Oh, good timing, whoever yeah, that was. I know. Uh, we got one from Jamie. She says, okay, so you've read the book. The first I want to address the quarter in case Mac is really angry. Still, still a little bit, yeah. Yes, it was important, but I wasn't. it wasn't a requirement. If the Sixers hadn't tried to kill them all, either H or Artemis could have won without the quarter. There may have been other people out there, too, who have acquired that quarter and never knew what it did since their avatars weren't killed. It doesn't have any information when it's on when it's in your inventory. Now, if there was only one quarter, which I find unlikely since everything else seems to respawn after a while. Well, well, but I think I think all of the artifacts, there is only one of each, right? I I remember them saying that. That's why nobody else. Go ahead. Nobody else could have had it because they would have survived the cataclyst. True. Well, I guess somebody who wasn't there, but you'd think if somebody was that eager that they were getting these artifacts, they probably would have been at the final battle. Yeah. So here it says, uh, well, then it might be more convenient. I don't think it's that much of a stretch to have Holiday recreate this just for fun. An Easter egg inside of an Easter egg. To me, that was the moment that Wade pulled himself out of his depression and it brought him back into playing the game. It was uh, like Wade and Halliday bonding time. I never really noticed it before, and it might be because I read the book so quickly, but you guys are right about the pacing. He certainly spends a lot of time and detail when dealing with the hunt, but in the in-between chapters are very, oh, by the way, all this other stuff happened. I think the first time I read it, I read the whole thing in a sitting or two, and this time was much of the same. I've been sick, so I had a lot of uh, lots of lay in bed and read time. So the change in pacing didn't really bother me too much. As a fun exercise, I was just wondering if you had tons of Oasis money and bought an asteroid to build a base, in what design would it be, and what kind of cool space slash car uh, would you buy to go along with it? Uh, I think I'd end up building a castle, probably a, a smaller recreation of uh, Minas Tirith, uh, Rivendell, or Hogwarts, or maybe all three in different locations connected by tunnels. As for a vehicle, I'd probably have an X-Wing or a Millennium Falcon or the Batmobile, specifically from the 1989 movie with Michael Keaton, complete with Prince music and the cassette player. <laughs> uh, but I'd uh, more than likely cruise around in my one-fourth scale Enterprise from Next Generation, which I'd control by voice commands, just so I could say, make it so. That's why I love this book, because I can see myself doing a lot of the same things Wade did, and more than likely I'd get caught up in the Oasis too. Um, I can comment quickly on the vehicle. I would definitely have the Winnebago from Spaceballs. Okay. <laughs> Any type of uh, fortress in mind? Yeah, maybe not my primary vehicle, but I would definitely have that Winnebago on standby. Right. Uh, as far as a fortress, that's tough. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. Because yeah. all the things that come to my mind first are space things, and they're not actually places I would ever want to live or right. spend any time. Because first thing that came to my mind was um, sort of the the Mars base from Total Recall, but that would be a fucking awful place to live. Well, I mean, you could turn it into something different. You could just have it modeled after it. Yeah, it's true. Hmm. Let's think about that one. I actually have mine 
uh, my fortress would actually be Castlevania because that place is fucking awesome. <laughs> and uh, my um, actually vehicle of choice would actually be the DeLorean from Back to the Future. The Back to the Future is my favorite trilogy ever. And yeah, I know that there's a fuck ton of plot holes in that. But I still absolutely love that series. Yeah, it's class. I haven't seen it in years, actually. I'm probably due for a rewatch of it. I rewatch them usually every year. I absolutely fucking love Back to the Future. That is like... That is my classic 80s movie. So, like, when I first started dating Laura, uh, there was a... You know, the first year you start dating somebody, you you it's basically me saying you haven't seen what, and yeah. <laughs> and then having to force them to watch it. And so that's we went, funny. I was go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just gonna say I was at dinner. I was at dinner on Friday, and uh, one of my friends is has a new girlfriend. And we basically spent about ten minutes doing that exact same thing because she hadn't ever seen Goonies or Shawshank Redemption. Okay. And those were the two big ones. We're like, wow, come on. I think we know what we need to do now. Let's have a movie night. I was actually going to bring up Goonies because me and Laura actually sat down and watched the Goonies. I have to say, I don't think that movie holds up that well. Really? Yeah, because Laura actually pointed it out. We were about probably three-fourths of the way through that movie, and she turned and looked at me. She said, I really hate all these kids. She, she, because they're annoying. Every single one of those kids is annoying, and half the dialogue is drowned out by somebody yelling, "Guys, guys, guys, guys!" <laughs> it is, and I'm just like, man, you can't understand what half these kids are saying, because everybody's yelling over each other. And I was like, man, I, I used to love this as a kid, and I was like, I mean, it's it's still a fun adventure movie, but man, it's rough. I never noticed that. I have to rewatch that too. Yeah, we we rewatch. I, I rewatched a bunch of stuff with her for the first time. So like, we watched Die Hard for Christmas, and she was like, "This this isn't a Christmas movie, but it was okay." And I was like, "Okay, so do you want to watch Die Hard 2? She said, "Yeah." Slightly <laughs> so more Christmasy. We watched that, and I, and then I was like, mm, "This was kind of a mistake." Die Hard Two is not good. Oh, that's my favorite one too. Really. I'm aware it's not good. It's not as good as the first one. For some reason, it, it sticks in my mind more. I love that airport setting. See, me personally, I like Die Hard with a Vengeance more. Really? Yeah. I really like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Because, you know, you got Samuel Jackson being Samuel Jackson. You got them going all around New York trying to disarm these bombs. I, I love that movie. I like it certainly. I like all all three of them, but two is my favorite. Mm. But yeah, we we watched the thing. Oh, that's a good one. I love the thing. She didn't like it. I just saw there was a board game on Kickstarter based on the thing. Oh really? Which makes a lot of sense because I've been playing a lot of board games lately. You know where someone's a traitor and work working against the group, and you know that movie's ripe for that kind of setting. Oh yeah. You know, you don't know who the bad guy is because it looks like any one of us. And as soon as I heard that was a board game, I'm like, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Why hasn't there been one already? 
but I think it was like a hundred bucks was the cheapest, the lowest level or something like that. And I just said, ah, I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna back it, but I hope it does well. Yeah. I still actually have yet to back anything on Kickstarter. I haven't either. Nah, that, that somebody else can do that. So let's I love the idea. Of it then. Well, yeah. Let's continue with the email. She says about that fanfic written by Andy Weir. Is it Weir or Weir? Mm, good question. I'll just say Weir. Uh, well, first I should say that Matt's right. The book, The Martian, is way better than the movie. Uh, though even uh, the movie is good. If you uh, get the reading bug, Drew, you should give it a go. Anyways, I googled. I googled to find what he wrote. Uh, I think it makes a great epilogue, and I think it could open doors for a sequel. I was so happy when I read it. It just gave a whole new dimension to the hunt and to the battles. It's so easy to make Sorrento uh, with the evil bad guy, but having him be out to destroy Oasis just made it even better. I also like that it introduced yet another tiny Easter egg within the Easter egg. When he discovered that he could destroy the Oasis, it's like Wade's quarter. It makes it easier for me to believe that there are likely lots of these little things out there that people may or may not have discovered. They aren't just integral to the hunt itself, but just add a little extra something, which is what an Easter egg is anyway. I found this book almost addictive as the Oasis itself, even though I knew how things were going to play out. I still couldn't stop myself from reading. It's not my favorite book, but I do enjoy it and recommend it to anyone who loves games, loves the 80s, or just wants a fun read. A note on Armada, after I read Ready Player One, I did much the same as Drew and picked up Armada right away. Whenever I read a good book, I often go out and read all the author's books. It's a completionist in me. To me, Armada is, isn't nearly as good. With Armada, I think the concept has been seen before, and even the character is very similar to Wade. I found that uh, when I read it, I compared the two quite a bit, and in doing so, I probably judged it a bit more harshly than it deserved. might be worth another look, but I definitely think Ready Player One is the superior of the two. I'm glad you guys decided to cover the book. Can't wait to see the movie and see what you guys think of it. Jamie, thank you very much for that email. Yeah, I'm also looking forward to Armada and the movie. Uh, our next email comes in from Mark. It says, uh, Hi guys, I have loved the Ready Player One discussion podcast and would like to make a couple of comments. Uh, firstly, throughout this series, I have found Matt's views particularly interesting. This is because he appears uh, always appears to be looking for messages the book was trying to convey. And at no time did I consider the book's message, and I feel it allowed me to just enjoy the story. Secondly, on reflection, I do feel Wade was a bit of a dick. This is not surprising because he did not have any positive role models guiding him. However, I do feel he handled himself pretty well when you consider what he was up against with IOI. Uh, so here, I would like to see you do more uh, book discussion podcast. I would love for you to do a discussion podcast on We Are Legion, We Are Bob, uh, Bobbyverse Book 1. I am on Bobbyverse Book 2, and I can stop listening to the audiobook. I've added an Amazon link uh, and a book summary below. Regards, Mark from Dudley in the UK. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Have you heard of this? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I will read this little uh, tidbit here. Uh, Bob jo Johannesson has just sold his software company and is looking forward to a life of leisure. There are places to go, books to read, and movies to watch. 
so it's a little unfair when he gets himself killed crossing the street. Bob <laughs> wakes up a century later to find that uh, corpsicles have been declared to be without rights, and he is now the property of the state. He has been uploaded into a computer hardware and is slated to be the controlling AI in an interstellar probe looking for habit habitable planets. The stakes are high, no less than the first claim to the entire world. If he declines the honor, he'll be switched off, and they'll try again with someone else. If he accepts, he becomes a prime target. There are at least three other countries uh, trying to get their own probe launched first, and they play dirty. The safest place for Bob is in space, heading away from Earth at top speed, or so he thinks, because the universe is full of nasties, and trespassers make them mad. Very mad. Hmm. Interesting. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of it, but I would definitely read it. Thank you for that email. Uh, our next email comes in from Chad. And it says here, it says, just saw you were recording tonight, so I don't have much prepared. I was going to write something tomorrow. Sorry about that. Uh, I finished a uh, second read just uh, over a week ago, and it went by very fast. Even though I already knew all the plot twists, it was still a very enjoyable read for me. Although it isn't the greatest book ever written, it's still by far one of my personal favorites. Personally, I can explain away most, if not all, of the criticisms I've had so far. Uh, but like all art forms, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I think it makes sense that Wade is an arrogant 18-year-old asshole. Most 18-year-olds are, especially in the setting where the world is devoid of almost any form of positive social structure. Who does he have as a role model? He never really That's knew. Funny. What now? Two, two, two different emails talking about his lack of a role model. Yeah. Which is a very, very true, very fair statement that uh, I hadn't really thought of. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, he never really knew his dad, and his mom was a virtual hooker. I'm sure his aunt and her many of your boyfriends didn't have any positive impacts either. When you think about it, Halliday was probably the biggest role model, uh, and he was an asshole too. Also, I think Drew mentioned on the first episode that Wade seems like a typical prick that hides behind internet anonymity. Uh, now that I think about it, maybe virtual anonymity uh, actually reflects an individual's true personality. Hmm, that might be getting a little too philosophical. Anyway, I was really wondering how you would like the final showdown at Anorak's castle. Uh, considering how much of a boner you have for Pacific Rim, <laughs> I figured this <laughs> section would turn your crank. Uh, could make some pretty awesome visuals in the movie. That right there, I can't wait for that. Yep. If they can get the licensing for a lot of those things, then I, I, I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, says here, for the most part, it sounds like you both enjoyed the book, even if you had some criticisms. It's your nature to be critical, so hopefully people don't misunderstand critique to mean disregard. Uh, either way, I can never understand why anyone feels the need to try and make everyone else have the same opinion as their own. I enjoyed the book and equally enjoyed hearing your thoughts on it. Thanks again, Chad. Uh, P.S. Any chance Nino Cooney is on all your all backlog? I have not played it, and I want to play through it. Uh, before the sequel comes out early next year, been holding off on that one. Yep, I'm a few hours in, and I would love to uh, get through it at some point. You know, I actually went back and thought about this because it's, it's it's kind of been bothering me, and that is the fact that I have purchased multiple games and put maybe three hours into them. Yeah. I, Nino Cooney was one of them. I purchased that game the day it came out, 
I went to GameStop, deliberately went to GameStop and purchased that game, put $50 down on it, or, or 60 and then put three hours into it. I did the exact same thing with Breath of the Wild. I pre-ordered that game months before it came out. When it finally came out, I then put three hours into it, and it's been sitting on my shelf ever since. I need to stop doing this. Yeah, I'm okay with that if it's a free game or a $20 game maybe, but yeah, that's tough when you drop 60 on a game and... Just don't have time for it. Exactly. And I just, uh, yeah, Nino Cooney's definitely up there. It's one of the games I want to play for Phoenix Down. Which we may do that later on in the year. I'm not certain, though. If Matt's down for it. Yeah, I certainly would love to. Okay. And our final email comes in, and this is the one that came in at 759. <laughs> uh, from Adam. It says, hey, thanks for doing this book. I read... Uh, well, listened to it last week after seeing the trailer. To be honest, I was co- convinced to check out the book as soon as I saw a DeLorean in a future street race. Uh, being a 90s kid, the references didn't bother me as much as quite a few went over my head, so the over-explaining worked wonders for me. It would have been interesting to hear from someone born uh, from 2000 on because I think they would be a lot of what the fuck. Uh, I never thought of Wade as a dick, so I wonder if that's uh, just how Will Wheaton read the book to me. He does seem a bit cocky, but not a full-blown dick. Uh, in the second part of the book, you mentioned no one uh, finding the pizza place uh, with the Pac-Man. I assume people did find it, but didn't play the Pac-Man, seeing it was out of order. Or if they did, no one could ever get the high score. Uh, the thing that annoys me the most is that Wade appears to be wa- a walking Wikipedia. It goes a little over the top. Uh, one point he states, seeing a movie over 150 times, nobody has the time to learn all that he learned in five years. Not to mention all the main characters, also uh, all being Sherlock-level intellect. Do you think this works? Maybe he watches like six shows at a time, like Marty Jr. and Back to the Future 2. Uh, and uh, with that, my email has come full circle. Cheers for doing the book. I think now uh, that you did this, you'll have to uh, do a bonus review episode of the movie when it comes out. Cheers, Adam from New Zealand. Yeah, he is a walking Wikipedia. That that is really annoying. Yeah, it is. Also, yeah, I wonder, you know, I didn't really ever try to calculate how much time it would have taken to learn that stuff, but it's hard to know because some things he knows front to back, but it's because he watched it 150 times. Right. Or other things he seems to like, I haven't touched this in a while, but yeah, I I knew it all. So it's hard to know like how much time even Wade would have to dedicate to things to master them. Yeah. So there's some issues I have with the book, but overall my final thoughts are I enjoyed it. I, in fact, when I was reading it, I couldn't put it down. I had to stop myself from putting it down. Yeah, I would say the same thing, but I would just add that I actually didn't like it. I enjoyed it, but I didn't like it. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I, I did. It was a, it was a fun read, and it was a great book to to possibly get me back into reading. I've never actually been into reading, so. Yeah, if you go into our Armada and then The Martian. That those are, well, actually, I don't know on Armada yet, but I'm right. going to start that pretty soon as well. I'm definitely reading Armada next. So, 
But yeah, thank you for all those emails, everybody. It seemed like everybody really enjoyed uh, Ready Player One, uh, us doing it and stuff like that. So hopefully you all enjoyed our discussions of it. Uh, yeah, it really was fascinating because people have been talking about this book so much. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really, really didn't know all that much going into it. So I, I'm really glad that we did it. I really wanted to read it. And uh, I'm looking forward to the sequel. Absolutely. Me too. And I'm looking forward to the movie. I will be seeing that. Um, but yeah, that's it for us. Uh, if you'd like to uh, send us emails, it's uh, drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, our next game will be uh, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, which is a DS game. Um, it is the second game in the Mario and Luigi universe. Um, we'll talk more into the history of that series on the next episode. Um, I'm actually really excited to jump into it. Um, I'm actually a fan of the Mario and Luigi series. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, if anybody is wanting to play along with us, it's, I found it pretty cheap. So, but yeah, that's it for us. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, Bowser's inside story. But until then I am drew and I'm Matt and we are out of here. You guys have a great one and we'll be back with Mario and Luigi's inside Bowser's inside story. I can't fucking talk tonight. <laughs> you guys have a good one.
Sign. 